Beautiful Irish girl, though, Brian. Beautiful Irish girl. I noticed she was the past oh, tense there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a great one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it is the Primetime Sports Management Conference and Trade Show with uh, Brian Burke. Another lovely Irish person. I never, wh- where are your people from? Mayo, West Coast. County Mayo. County Mayo. It's, I, I always say to people, uh, if you go to Ireland and people say, what's it like? I said, it's like the movies that you see. That's beautiful, it, but it's your own movie. It, yeah. The people say things that would they would never say here. Yeah, no, it's. I've only been a couple times, but it's breathtaking. It is, and I don't golf, but I think for a golfer, it might be heaven. It it is heaven, and also it's just the way they they think about things. Very simple, you know. They, they don't overcomplicate things over there. And uh, going to my first hurling match a couple of years ago, go to Crow Park in Dublin, and I said it it was very similar to. The way that, uh, because it's all amateur, because it's all the GAA, it's all the Gaelic Athletic Association, that the way that we look at uh, junior hockey here. So it wasn't last names. It was first names. Yeah. You know, do it, do it, Jimmy. Do it, uh, do it, Liam. Yeah, and the, and the GAA, it's all uh, all that money. They get 80000 at Croke Park for a hurling match or a rugby match. It's all redistributed. There's yeah. no owners per se. Yeah, you know, you know, people, you know, asking about what what this conference is now, like what this the the uh, uh, the, the you know the, the I guess in the infancy of of what this is, like growing up, I'm 52, and either you were part of the team, you were the star, you were you going to be what you're going to be, or unless you had money, you I guess owned the team. There wasn't really a feeling when growing up uh, at our age of representation like it's really uh what, what am i saying 20, i have no 30, idea 20 <laughs> 20 30 years 20 30 years of 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 maybe i think i can represent you oh i see what you're saying yeah that, that'd be about right i mean the famous story about representing athletes is the vince lombardi story with jim ringo and jim ringo i think is a hall of famer i'm pretty sure uh was certainly an all pro and uh he came in to do his contract with the packers and he brought a lawyer, and he said, Mr. Lombardi, you have to talk to my lawyer, you know, Mr. Richards. And Lombardi said, excuse me, and left, and five minutes later came back in and said, you should be speaking to the Philadelphia Eagles because I just <laughs> traded you there. This is a guy I'm pretty sure is a Hall of Famer. Um, that's relatively new. Um, you know, I was in that business for a few years, and I know it's uh, people like to hate that side of the business, but uh, I think it's an essential part of what we do. The good agents understand that the fight's over money, and then once the deal is done, we should all be pulling the same way. That whatever we want for their client should be what they want for their client, and the good agents get that. So uh, when uh, people, I'm saying uh, the youth, uh, they're going to school. They they think they what they need to be a lawyer. They need to be in PR. But it's it could be many different things. What is the most important thing in terms of representation? What are the qualities if 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 they're looking at this as a, as a vocation? What, what are the qualities that are needed? Well, you, need to, you don't need to be a lawyer. No, you don't need to be a lawyer. So let, this conference started, this is our eighth year, I think, and it was designed so that young Canadian professionals and young Canadian students didn't have to go to the U.S. for it. So the American Bar Association, Sports and Entertainment Section has a seminar like this. Sports Lawyers Association, they're all in the U.S. They're all expensive. So Trevor Whiffen, my partner, and I started this eight years ago. It's really the full spectrum. So if you're a young person you want to work in sports, uh, you don't have to be a pro athlete. There's not only the player side. Each team has the talent side where you assemble players, trade, draft, like GM side. 
each side has a full business side. So they've got HR, they've got IT, they've got all the normal departments that any big company has. And then you've got the ancillary industries, broadcast, banking that surround it. So really it's, uh, you know, from our perspective, um, if you want to get into this business, you don't have to be a former athlete. You don't have to be a lawyer. I'd say the traits you need are you better be smart and you better be prepared to work your ass off. Now, in terms of relationships, uh, you know, you're dealing with uh, some tough people. I mean, they're, they're good at what they do. If I'm walking into your office, it's not about getting, uh, you know, the better side of you. It's It's got to be about somehow that you trust me, that I'm bringing you people that are worthy of that conversation. We've got – there as a whole in the agent business, it's like the media. I'd say the vast majority of the people are work hard, meanwhile, get it right. There's a handful that don't, and they kind of screw it up. The The image of the industry is poor compared – it's like the media. Most of the media care. They get it right. There's a handful that screw it up for everyone. It's like that in the agent business too. I think the, the industry is, as a whole, excellent. We're in conversation with Brian Burke, the president of hockey operations with the Calgary Flames, longtime NHL executive. And when I say long time, it's a very special night here in Toronto, as you know, not only with this conference, but the Hockey Hall of Fame. I want to take you back to 1993 when the Hartford Whalers decided on Chris Pronger with the second overall pick. What were your expectations of the big defenseman from Dryden, Ontario, when you decided to go out and and select a franchise-type defenseman? Well, I think there's a big difference between taking a player in the first round and moving up to take a player in the first round. This is not a guy that fell to us. You need skill to draft in our league, but if you're picking fourth, you're going to take the fourth player on your list. What we did in Hartford that was special, I'm with the Twins too, and, and, and much you know a few years later, we moved up to take Chris Pronger. We didn't just draft Chris Pronger. We had the sixth pick. We traded up with, with San Jose and took Chris Pronger. The risk in that draft was that Paul Correa was in that draft. And that scared the crap out of us that we were going to move up. We loved Chris, but we you know, we spent hours saying, well, what about how do you pass on Paul Correa? How do you not draft Paul Correa? Yeah. But we kept coming back to big, hostile, truculent, belligerent, skilled defensemen, and we took him. So we took him second overall. The first pick is while D. Lombardi was the GM of San Jose, while we were scratching out the terms of the deal. This is before the league made to do the trade calls and everything. Ottawa was up announcing Alexander Dake as That's the first right. pick overall. <laughs> so, <laughs> As we have a chuckle about that this morning. Now, if you go back, <laughs> if you look at 99 when we drafted the Twins, that is the worst first round in the history of the National Hockey League. Yeah. Anyone listening tonight, when you're bored, after you watch the Hockey Hall of Fame thing and you're bored, <laughs> look up the first round. So that one was a little easier. This this one had a bunch of good players in it. So we made the deal um, on the floor. Um, we gave up the sixth pick overall, which they, the San Jose used to take Victor Kozlov. We gave up, I think, a second and a third. We gave up. Uh, we had acquired the rights to Makarov, the player Makarov, for about a month just to put him in this deal. And... Um, you know, I'm very proud of Chris, very happy for him. Uh, 20 years later now he's, you know, going into the hall, and he'd still be playing if he hadn't been injured. But uh, great player. And then, of course, I brought him back into Anaheim, and we won a cup together. So, yeah, he's a good man. Now, as uh, as a guy that has seen all different ta- kind of talent from the playing level uh, to an executive level like we are here at the Primetime Sports Management Conference, is Chris Pronger a future NHL executive? If he wants to be. I, I'm not – one thing that concerns me is we pay so well now, 
the guys that get out that used to, a lot of guys used to get out and get right back in the game. We pay, this job pays so well now that a lot of guys get out and they don't have to work. So they want to, they have to want this. It's not a, if you're not in this whole hog, if you're not in this 100% and willing to do the hours and crazy stuff, someone's going to beat you every time. That right. will work like that. So if Chris wants to, he's certainly bright enough. He's a very intelligent guy. Um, he's grumpy. You know, if you guys talk to him today, if he's around here, he's a grump. He's a grouchy <laughs> guy. But he could do this. He could work in the industry easily. The question is, does he want to put in the time? Well, and, and you know, at, at this conference, do you talk about the sort of issues with those that want to be in the business? Yeah. What what it's like because it's it's it the optics are. That uh, you know, you have some sort of background where, uh, whether it's business, which uh, a legal side, I guess, uh, all those things that, that that you could have or possess. But I think you got to be married to the. You got to love it. Like you have, it's got to be a lifestyle. It, it is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not. The, it, it doesn't have to be a lifestyle. But if it's not, you're not going to last very long, because you're going head to head with people that wake up dreaming about how to have a parade, and go to sleep dreaming about you know losing sleep over how to have a parade so if you're not it's like being a farmer you can't be a part-time farmer you know if, if, if you're <laughs> not many, yeah you're if, right if yeah. you're not in it from dawn to dusk then you're screwed and that's the same in our business because someone is staying awake doing his lists of trades and things he could do to get better if you're sleeping this guy's going to beat you so um it, it's a great industry but it's a demanding industry no question about it have to ask you about the Calgary Flames. We talked a little bit off air before you joined us this morning that it hasn't been the start you wanted the Calgary no. Flames to have so far. Uh, what, okay, then let me ask you this, Brian. What, what has gone wrong? Well, a lot. I mean, I think when last year, and first off, we're playing our way out of it. The guys did a really good job the last few games, even the last few losses before we turned it around. But certainly the Pittsburgh and Philly games, we're starting to be our old team. Last year, our trademarks were three things, in my opinion. One is top, top defense. Don't spend much time in your own end. Get the puck and get out. Defense, join the rush, and create offense. Two was we had timely goaltending. We had now a different. We used three goalies last year. Ordeo won four games for us in December, but basically uh, Jonas Hiller, Kari Ramo, one would play five or six good games, then stumble, and the other one would pull a sled. So not a conventional goaltending model, kind of a tag team, but good goaltending. And then third, we had a never-say-die mentality. We came from behind and won games more than any other team in the league last year, I think, except Anaheim. So we start the season, our D kind of stuck in the mud. Our goaltending, not not good enough. Which is surprising with the defense that you have. It's the best defense in the National Hockey League on paper. But we started poorly. And, um, and then the third thing would be we haven't come back in these games. We get down and the, the lead expands. It doesn't shrink. So... We're coming out of it now. Our D are starting to get some jump. Uh, Mark Giordano had a slow start. Dougie Hamilton's had a slow start. Chris Russell's had a slow start. They're all coming now. And, um, you know, we, we're very happy with Dougie Hamilton despite the start. We, we do that trade again tomorrow. But uh, he's 23. I think he just turned 23. Defensemen in our league don't come into their prime until they're 25 or 26. Um, he's 6'5", 228, right shot, skate like the wind. You know, he's going to be fine. He's a very highly intelligent player, too. So we're, we're coming. We're getting there. I think he's the toughest league in the world. I mean, it's... we talk about all the sports. We talk about all the leagues. We talk about, the you know, whether it's the NFL, NBA, whatever it happens to be. And I just think that they don't play towards the middle in this league. It's always towards the top. So you you have no nights off. No nights off. 
Not anymore. And that's what a hard salary cap does. It introduces parity. Uh, there's In this league, if you say, well, tonight we might get a breather, like you used to be able to. Like, you know, I had 300-point teams in Vancouver, obviously won a cup in Anaheim. There are nights where we go into buildings and say, okay, we can rocking chair this one. Let's get a couple early and kind of coast through it. You can't do that now. If you go in like that, you're going to be down to nothing, not up to nothing. We're in conversation with Brian Berg. He's the president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames. Also spends a significant amount of time in the Toronto area, as you are today, with the uh, Primetime Sports Management Conference. I have to get, as, as a hockey guy, and a guy that has had the top job with the Toronto Maple Leafs, your impressions of what is going on currently with the Toronto Maple Leafs and their quote-unquote rebuild. Well, the, the, the hard thing here is, first off, uh, people assume you're bitter when you get fired by a team. And I'm not. You know, the team got sold. They brought in new guys. It's the same thing that happened in Vancouver. Um, so people say to me, oh, the Leafs lost last night. You must be happy. I'm like, no, I'm not. That's not how it works. It really isn't. I think they've got a lot of really talented people here. I'm not sure how it all works in concert. You know, I played for Lou Lamorello in college. We go back to 1972 is when I met him. I owe him a ton from playing for him. I admire him a lot. I like Mike Babcock, and I admire him as a coach. Shani and I have been friends forever. I'm just not sure how it all works. you got a lot of bright people. Uh, I think they'll figure it out because because they are bright and because they want to win, and they all have proven that they can win. It's just a difficult market. you know. I don't think the media here wants the team to be successful. And when you say that, people say, oh, he's just whining about you know not working because really, he got fired here. But you got massive coverage of this team. Maybe 100 people cover the team every day. When they lose... Every one of the reporters picks up a rock. Okay, who's who's to blame? They they lost, so someone is at fault. Not realizing they might have lost because a, a better team played them. And the players did their best, the coach did their best, and so on. So everyone picks up a rock. So today it's Brian Burke, the GM. Uh, that's one guy. Then the, the reporter next one picks up a rock. He's getting the coach. The next guy's getting Dion. Next guy's getting Phil. Well, let's say Phil had a tough night, so 10 of them are going to get Phil. So... The shrapnel gets everybody, and it just grinds you. It just so, grinds you, grinds you down. So, Brian, is you know, and I, I hear this often about how, how how tough this market is. Is it the toughest market? Like in, compared in Canada, to like, sure. Yeah, but in the NHL, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can argue Montreal because you're stupid twice there. You're stupid in two languages, <laughs> but it's uh, it's the toughest market by far, and it's um, you know, it was an honor and a privilege to work in this market, but I don't miss working in this market one bit, and uh, the. Just since I started here in the, what's that, seven years ago, eight years ago, the influence that social media has had on the mainstream media, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. It, you, when I got here, it was probably 70% of the fans were still hardcore Leaf fans, and they ignored the media. The mainstream media was actually way out of step with the fan base. Now I see that changing. I see now you guys have to address the social media stuff at some point. If it's three days in a row, this rumor, that rumor, and then at some point you guys have to address it. So it's actually it's actually directing the mainstream media to some extent, which is pathetic because you're talking about some sick people. Yeah, I, guys in their basements. Yep, making. making I sued a bunch yeah. of them, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, that that would be the one change I would see is that the media used to be out of step with the, with the fan base, and I'm not so sure they are so much anymore. See, I think that's the hardest thing for, for uh, you know, I mean, I, I see, I mean, from a family of, uh, of coaches and, and teachers, that the hardest thing is with, with social media and Twitter and, and everything else, 
trying to keep things on the rails, trying to keep things on the line because you're dealing with young, you're dealing with young kids. Yep. You're dealing with with kids that are professional athletes making a, a hell of a lot of money. But there's still that tendency to be dragged into that world, and that world's not a good world. I no, don't think. We I talk, don't think. No, it's not. And we talk to our players about that. You know, one one rule that everyone should observe is that alcohol and Twitter do not <laughs> do not work well in concert. Brian, so, so great to see you. It, it, it truly you. is. And good I, luck I, with the conference today yeah, as well. The yeah. conference sounds fantastic. And I said, uh, you know, he's a he's a prairie boy, and I was out in Calgary for six and a half years, and. Uh, Rolly's here and the rest of the boys. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't tell you. The alumni in, in Calgary still very close to my heart. Well, the, the, the Flames alumni is, you can make a case that, that we have the best alumni in all hockey. They're terrific. I think I think it's fantastic. So you've ended up in a great place. So And things are good for you. You're, you're happy at that. Life's good. Yeah, yeah, the silver lining of all that happened here. I'm very proud that I worked here, but the silver lining is I get to live in Calgary. Oh, fantastic. That is uh, Brian Burke, who's uh, joined us here.